What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of KCL's Keto Corner Podcast. On today's episode, I speak with Mary Roberts. Um, She is actually a keto evangelist, keto coach. Uh, Her and I had the pleasure of meeting on the low-carb keto cruise this past May, Um, and it was a pleasure and honor to hear her speak, hear her story. I mean, I knew that with the following that I have and those who suffer from, you know, eating disorders and uh, recovery and body image issues that I had to have her on the podcast. Um, she is a sweet, kind, and genuine person. She is uh, is very open about her journey as well um, and is still, you know, kind of on her path to finding where her body feels best and she shares all about that in this podcast. So, hope you guys enjoy. Let's dive in. This podcast episode is sponsored by Further Food. You guys know I love Further Food. They are a woman-ran company with a mission. Um, Collagen is important. We all know because it makes up 90% of the connective tissue and organic bone mass in the body, 70% of the skin. And as we age, even in our 20s, our body starts to produce less collagen. So ladies, that means wrinkles are more prone to happen, hair breakage, all of those things, and our joints and everything also play a huge role as well as our gut. Um, That being said, why do I incorporate collagen every day? All of those things, but for their food, it makes a quality, affordable product, and they recently just launched their newest chocolate collagen, which, by the way, is bomb. Love it. Um, it goes in my coffee. I also have found a new way that I like to make it. I'm dropping this hint for my podcast listeners. Take a scoop of it, put it in some unsweetened almond milk, and enjoy a yummy, like, chocolate milk that you used to enjoy when you were a child. Oh my goodness, it's so good. And it blends very, very well. You don't get that gritty, weird feeling. Um, It blends very well in cold drinks as well. So... That being said, if you want to give Further Food a try, you know, they have their unflavored. Um, both the flavor, the chocolate flavor and the unflavored are grass-fed, pasture-raised, um, and very, very good quality. You can use code KETOCOACHLAUREN to save 15% on your purchase. <laughs> Hello, Mary. How are you? Hi, Lauren. I'm great. I'm so excited that we could find some time to chat and for you to kind of share your story. Me too. I was so glad that you asked. Um, So for those listening, Mary and I met on the Low Carb Keto Cruise this past May, and I feel like we really connected. Um, Having never met before, we have a lot in common, I feel. I know there everyone always talks about how I tend to relate to people, even though I'm so much younger, but um, I feel like I'm an old soul, and I, I think that I can relate to people on a different level because of how much I've been through. So I think we've been through a lot of the same things. I think so. And I would love for you to share um, more about you, your background, kind of how you came to keto and and all that jazz. 
Well, I am currently 47, so uh, you're younger than my oldest son. No, no way. <laughs> yes, he, he just turned 28 in June. Um, and you just had a 20, you just turned 27, right? Yes. That's what I thought. Yeah, That's so I'm funny. old enough to be your mother. See, um. but I lo- I, it's so funny to me because I'm like, Mary is such a good friend. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, so yeah, so I'm 47. I've been keto for, um, a little over five years. I started in March of 2014. Um, I have had, I mean, really like a lifelong, uh, love affair with food. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can't think of any other way to put it. It started, you know, when I was a kid and food, you know, was, I, I discovered that it made me feel good. Um, and that it tasted good. And so, and I had a hard time um, as a kid. I had friends, but I always felt like, I don't know, I always felt like, you know, the odd one out. Um, and so I spent a lot of time, you know, at home and um, I would go home after school and I would eat. That was like my thing. And so my freshman year in high school was the first time that I, attempted to go on a diet and, um, I was chubby. I wouldn't, you know, I thought I was fat, you know, and looking back, you know, I was a little, you know, I was a little bit overweight, but I was not, you know, nearly what I thought I was at, at mm-hmm. that time. But, um, so I went on a diet counting calories and that like became like the first of, hundreds, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And I became a expert calorie counter. And back then, so I was in high school in the eighties. Um, back then we didn't have the internet or, mm-hmm. you know, like you couldn't look up calories, like you couldn't go online and look up calories. So I had this book that was like 1500 pages. It was this little red paperback book and it had like the calorie counts for like every food imaginable and all like these different name brands that, of, of food at the time. And that thing like became my Bible. And um, I had, you know, dog-eared pages, highlighted items. And, and then after, you know, a while, I just started to like memorize calorie counts on things mm-hmm. um, because I was, I became a, you know, professional dieter. But so that year, freshman year, I lost um, for about 40 pounds. And I did it really quickly because I basically did a starvation diet. Um, I, I ate once a day, sometimes twice a day, and I didn't eat very much. So like, for example, at lunchtime, so I, at my high school had what was called an open campus. And so me and my friends, we would walk to go have lunch and there was a grocery store like a mile away from the school. And I would walk there and I would get like a banana and a figurine bar or a banana and a yogurt or an apple and something like I would have like a piece of fruit and one other little thing. So it was like less than 300 calories. And then sometimes I would go home and I would eat at night, but basically I was like starving myself. So in about 40 ish days, I lost about 40 pounds. Oh my gosh. And I probably, you know, looking back, I mean, because I was eating so little, I probably was in ketosis, which is why it felt, you know, so easy. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, I can, I distinctly remember going off of it though, too. Like, you know, you, you, sometimes things happen in your life and, and 
it doesn't seem significant, but the memory stays with you anyway. Yes. Um, I remember after school watching, sitting down to watch Oprah and that particular day I decided, you know, I, I felt hungry. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make a, a ham sandwich and so, and I'm going to have some of these little mini pretzels. And I, my mom had a food scale. So I weighed out the pretzels. I had, eat, I ate the sandwich and I weighed out the pretzels. And then I was like, ah, I want more pretzels. So I weighed out another round. And I did that about four times. And finally it was like, screw it. I ate the whole bag of pretzels. And that was the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like how every diet I've ever been on has ended in a binge like that. Um, and so, you know, that was just the, the first of many. And, um, I, so basically my adult, all of my adult life, I have battled the weight and I, with each pregnancy, I've, I have three boys with each pregnancy. I, you know, gained weight. Um, my third pregnancy, my youngest, who's now 15, he was our like, oops, surprise. <laughs> how, did, how, how did this happen? Oh, baby? I love that. Because <laughs> my, I already had a 12 year old and a nine year, an eight year old, almost nine year old. And I was like, Oh my God. But with that pregnancy, I had gestational diabetes because I was already over 200 pounds when I got pregnant with him. And so because I was told I had gestational diabetes, it scared me a little bit and I was worried about my baby. So I was, you know, quote, really good during that pregnancy. And I only gained 22 pounds, which is totally different from my other two pregnancies where I gained like 60 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I left the hospital, I had already lost like 20 of the 22 pounds. So, but, you know, I still left the hospital over 200 pounds and my appetite, you know, after that, it was like, oh, well, okay, well, the baby's born and he's healthy, so I can go back to, like, eating whatever I want, and I did, and it was this cycle of, you know, I would go through these periods of, like, you know, Mary, you're just, accept it, you're doomed to be fat, you're not, good, you know, you're not meant to be thin, so just, you know, quit with all the dieting nonsense and eat what you want and just be happy, and so I would go from that to, holy crap how I'm miserable. I'm tired of being fat. I hate, you know, buying fat clothes and, and I'm tired. And so I would just go back and forth between those two things. My eating disorder was just, you know, wild and, you know, all over the place. And, um, so isn't it it crazy how like, cause I did the same thing. I went from, you know, once I gained all my weight and I, I gained all mine, um, of course, being married and getting comfortable and then getting mm-hmm. pregnant, I gained over 50 pounds. And yeah. um, there was actually someone in my life who I had lost about 40 pounds and I felt really good, but I was still like well overweight, um, you know, more so than I needed to be. But she was just like, you look great the way that you are. You should accept yourself the way that you are. And there, there's something about that, like that fight between wanting to love yourself and accept yourself, but then like feeling like you're not doing enough or feeling like you need to look a certain way or whatever. I feel like that is a battle that most people struggle with until mm-hmm. they really accept who they are, like what they really want to achieve, but love, you have to love yourself like in the moment, but it's okay to want more, but you shouldn't 
feel like you have to meet expectations of others. Right. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. I, I, I get that in that how we fight, you know, wanting to look a certain way and be perfect because we, you know, feel the pressure to be or, you know, wanting to to impress other people or whatever and then accepting ourselves as well this is just how I'm I'm supposed to be you know right yeah it is I think a huge societal pressure which we then you know transfer to putting pressure on ourselves and you know when I was in high school my goal was because I wanted to get the attention of a boy Mm -hmm. um you know so that was you know my motivation then and then you know it our motivations and change throughout life but you know, I think society does put a lot of pressure on us and then being, and you talked about this um, at your talk and it was so your, your talk impacted me so much. Um, You know, being on social media, you know, and you're, you're flipping, you know, you're, you know, scrolling through like Instagram and there's all these beautiful bodies. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, the fact that I lost over a hundred pounds and went from a size 20 to a size four totally just, you know, leaves my mind because then I'm like, okay, well, but I don't look like that. I don't look like this. And, and it just, and then you, you can't even enjoy, you know, I couldn't even enjoy my success, you know, where, where I had gotten because I was too busy, like comparing myself to, you know, all the beautiful people on the internet. And, you know, for someone like me, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all for goals. I still have goals. There's, you know, I think that we should always, I think we're designed to, you know, we're goal oriented by nature. We want more. Um, and I think it's healthy to have goals and to, to go for it. Um, but I don't want to be miserable while I'm working on self-improvement. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I talk to, you know, I tell my clients all the time, swim in your own lane don't compare yourself to others, but here, you know, I struggle too yeah. with not swimming in my own lane and oh, looking I get at it. what other people are doing and, and then and, not feeling good about myself. Yeah. And it's so funny. So for those listening that don't know, kind of give them a background on what you do. You're a keto coach as well. Yes. I am a coach for Keto Evangelist. Um, keto Evangelist, for those of you that don't know, is the company that puts on KetoCon. That's our event. Um, and which was uh, phenomenal, by the way, it was like yes. a life changing experience for me. Oh my gosh. I it, loved it. It was so awesome this year. Like the first one still holds a special place in my heart. Cause when we walk, walked in on setup day, the first year we were like, wow. And it was so much bigger this year. Um, you know, this is our third year and mm-hmm. it was just, it was amazing. But anyway, so yeah, Keto Evangelist is, uh, I coach for Keto Evangelist, and myself and Katrina Harris are um, the executive coaches, and we work with a team of coaches that the company has. I think we have, like, 12 coaches That's right awesome. now. Um, yeah, and so, uh, we, you know, everybody's got, like, their, we have one coach that she, you know, she's the beautiful bodybuilder on the stage doing a bikini show type, and we have, you know, Katrina, who has lipedema. We have me and Elena who, and, um, you know, we've overcome type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. We have somebody that, um, she, Jade is, uh, has epilepsy and she does keto for therapeutic reasons because she wants okay. to get off all our meds. So we have this whole, you know, a, a very, you know, diverse team of people and, and issues that they've dealt with and that a- appeal to all different people. 
That's awesome. So, and, and I wanted to mention that because I wanted people to know the the where you're coming from when you say like you tell your clients. So, even as a coach, you, me, um, the people on your team, or the other people out there in the keto realm that are coaches for nutrition and fitness, all of those things. It's so funny to me how like. We we are so good at coaching other people and telling other people the things that they need to do to achieve their goals. But then it's really hard sometimes to like check yourself and, and make sure that you're doing the same dang thing that you're telling your clients to do. Right. You know, it's like they say about you know, doctors make the worst patients. Yes. Like, <laughs> that's totally us, you know. And, and I've worked with a, a co- I worked with Robert Sykes uh-huh. um, for over a year. And, um, and then I've, you know, developed friendships with, um, other people who in a sense have like been my coach, um, Brian Williamson, who, um, owns Keto Evangelist, uh, he was my first mentor and my friend and actually how I heard about keto. Um, so I've had someone to kind of help me like Mm -hmm. all, all this time And I'm glad because you're, you're so right. Like we, I always know what, you know, when a, when a client sends me an email with a struggle or a problem, I always know what to say. Yes. Um, and, and so I have friends, well, Jessica, coach Jessica, who you also met on the, Mm -hmm. the cruise, I will, you know, message her because I know she can help me wrap my mind around something. And she'll say sometimes, well, if, if, this was, if this text you just sent me was a message from a client, what would you say? Yeah. And then I'm like, thank you. That's all I needed. Like, <laughs> like now, there you go. Yeah. Now I'm going to pretend that I'm answering somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is so hard. And so the, I didn't, I didn't have any like coach or help the entire time that I did keto. I, I was a very, um, I was, and and this is one of the reasons why I'm very passionate about coaching is because I was very reserved. I was very timid and scared to ask for help. And I Mm -hmm. felt like asking for help meant that I was failing or that I couldn't achieve things um, on my own. And that, you know, so I had that mentality of like being terrified to reach out for help. And when I finally woke up and realized like, hey, there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking for help it became this like passion for me to make sure others knew like there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Yes, there are tons of resources and things out there. You can learn on your own. You can do it on your own, but there is no reason for you to do it on your own. If, if it stresses you out, if you don't know if you're doing it properly. Um, and if you just need this accountability and the support, like I would have killed so long ago to have had that support when I was mentally like struggling the worst during my weight loss journey, because I mean, I'm sure, you know, like it gets kind of dark sometimes when, you know, you feel like you're not progressing or the scale's not moving and you're so obsessed with seeing that number go down. It's just having that support system telling you like, no, this is normal or this is what you should change or this is totally okay. Like there's a huge huge benefit of having a coach and um I I had my first coach uh ever on this entire journey about six months ago but the downside for me was that I ended up um kind of 
doing away with what I knew needed my body needed. So I went fully carnivore and, uh, with my hormone issues and estrogen dominance, it was not a good thing. So, um, as far as the accountability aspect goes, it was a great thing. It was a great to have a coach to kind of take all of the thoughts out of it. Like, I don't know if you feel the same, but when I don't have to think for myself, because I think for so many other people, it's kind of nice. Yeah. You know, I totally agree, you know, and a lot needing and help and asking for help is not a weakness. I think it's actually a sign of strength. And, um, you know, like you just said, there's nothing wrong with, with needing and wanting help. I find it really frustrating when, you know, social media, there's always somebody who's like, you don't need a coach. Keto is free. You don't have, you know, everything you need to know is, is on, on Google. Well, and that may be true. You can Google it, but for a lot of people, they, maybe they don't want to navigate the storm of crap that's on Google. Maybe Mm -hmm. they don't have time to sift through it. And not to mention, there's so much, you know, contradictory information. How do you know which one to listen to? So exactly, having a coach is a, you know, a guide that's going to be consistent and who's going to be in your corner and root for you and get you the information that you need without confusing you. Yeah. Um, so or, I think or yeah. even like experimenting with different yes. approaches, because like I said, I tried a carnivore approach and um, I, I respond better to a higher fat ratio and my protein was higher than it normally was. And so I, I know from my perspective, I've tried several different types of keto, carnivore, whatever, for the sake of knowledge to know how my body responded. And so I know that my body's not the same as other people's, but, you know, if there is somebody that could benefit from a way that I've tried and their body would respond positively, then it's good to know. But, you know, exactly. going out on Google and just, you know, figuring out like the basics of keto, but when they're all wrong and it's just, it's so frustrating. I totally get that. We've, we've talked about the whole keto is free thing. It's a crock of crap, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I get that. (laughs) So as far as your keto journey, we kind of got off, off track. I want to know a little bit more about like what you did. Um, I, I know, I don't know if you said you lost how much weight? I lost 106 pounds. Which is insane. I That is amazing. I, I always look at it and I'm like, I lost 103 pounds. That's a lot of weight. And so every yeah. time I hear someone else say it, I'm like, gosh, we are rock stars, you know? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, now, well, leading up to it, you know, um, I had tried Atkins, like, Around 2012, my friend Mandy, who she actually runs the Keto Evangelist Kitchen now, she told me about Atkins. We were um, we were diet buddies, like, and we would message each other, like, you know, very regularly, complaining about how fat we were and how we were sick of it, and you know, all these, you know, the conversations you mm-hmm. have with your with your friends that, uh, you know. And so she messaged me one day. She's like, "Hey." have you heard of Atkins? And I was, I, yeah, but I, you know, isn't that the bacon thing, you know, <laughs> like kind of thing. Yes. And so she sent me to the Atkins website and I ordered their little like starter kit thingy. And so that was like my introduction to low carb. And I knew um, that I had an issue with 
with carbs. You know, I knew I was um, addicted, but I don't know that I took it seriously at that point. Like back then and most of my life, I really just thought that I needed to find the right diet and I just needed some willpower and discipline and and I'd be fine. Um, I didn't realize the, you know, the depths of an eating disorder and, and all that it entails and that that was my problem and and that there was a root cause for that. It wasn't just because food tasted good and I wanted to eat it all the time. There was a reason, right. you know. So so I, I did Atkins a couple of times, lost about 40 pounds seems to be like a magic number for me. Like mm-hmm. anytime I would go on a diet, I would lose 40 pounds, get stuck, and then I would quit and give up and gain it all back and then some. So I dieted my way up to 260 pounds. Um, I, when I, the first time I started Atkins, I was like 240. Um, and ultimately, by the time I started keto, which was early 2014, I was 260. And the turning point for me, like, I, I remember the, the day, and it wasn't like it wasn't like so many others. I mean, how many times have we woken up and said, today is the day, right. you know, I'm, I, I'm serious, I'm going to do it this time. And, you know, some days we make it till noon, other days we make it all the way to the evening. And then I had periods where... I could go days or weeks or months and I could lose some weight, but it always ended the same in a binge. Um, and, and the begin, the binge was like always like at the, the beginning of the downward spiral, because once I had a taste, I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so early in two, 2014, I was about to, you know, I just started my third round of Atkins and um, I was talking to Brian one day, he was my Sunday school teacher actually. So um, and we had been, our, our families had been friends for years. And, and one Sunday I said, Hey, so I, I just started Atkins again. And I'm like, I'm really going to do it this time. And Brian was like, eh, forget Atkins. You should, you know, look into keto, check out keto. And they had been, you know, doing keto because their son, um, had epilepsy and that's mm-hmm. what got them in, involved and so I went home and I, well, I asked him some questions and then I went home. I couldn't find, you know, very much. The only thing I could find was Keto Clarity by, by Jimmy Moore, which was the first keto book that I ever read. And um, it's, I love it too, that that's the first book that I read because now, you know, and like you, Jimmy's a personal friend and it just seems, you know, it's like so surreal. It's like, okay, I read this book that I found so informative and life-changing mm-hmm. um you know and and now um you know I could see see Jimmy at an event and be like hey Jimmy yeah um, so it's it's amazing like how how you know things happen and, and friendships that form and and even you know Brian I'm so thankful you know people ask me all the time well how did you hear about keto it's because of Brian and um I don't know I'm kind of getting off track a little bit but like yeah, at the first fine. The first keto con afterwards, I was talking to uh, Sherry, which is Brian's wife, and they were, you know, the teardown was happening, like they, everything was coming apart. Mm-hmm. And, and I just kind of like cried a little bit and um, was talking to Sherry and I and Brian was the last speaker that day. He had just got, you know, had told told his story, um, which had a lot to do with his, his son. And so I had I was just feeling like so super grateful at that moment, because even though this terrible thing happened to their family with their son dealing with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. It, it led to what we, you know, to now, right. you know, it, like if, if he had never uttered that word to me, 
where, where would I be? Right. You know, I have no idea where I would be. And, and if he hadn't, you know, stepped out of his comfort zone and, and in faith to start Keto Evangelist and, and start KetoCon, like thousands of, there were thousands of people at KetoCon whose lives have been changed because, you know, one guy had an idea. So it just amazes me how stuff spreads and how we influence other people and we don't even know it, you know? Um, anyway. And and no, and you know, you have your story that influences people as well. And not only the weight loss, which is, I want to go ahead and dive into another topic, but you have your, your story, you've, you've dealt with an eating disorder, you've dealt with a body image issue. And I I know Mm -hmm. you said that the the talk that I gave on body image and body dysmorphia really kind of touched you, but, um, you know, we can, we can share about the weight loss, but I think the, the topics that really get to people are the, the things that they don't want to talk about, like the binge eating, like the body dysmorphia. So, um, for you, like you mentioned that you had a problem with food for a long time. I know you, you sent an email to me saying you were, um, what is the, that term that you use? You're food sober. Food sober. Yeah. I love that. So explain that. Cause aside, explain that with your binge eating disorder, like how you suffered through it. So I, but when I, you know, started keto, I had to decide in the beginning that I could not cheat. So in the beginning I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't aware of the term food sober, Um, I was just like, I'm not going to cheat. That was like my thing. I'm not going to cheat. Not one bite, not one meal, not a crumb, not a finger lick, nothing, because I knew that it would set me off. I I had a history Um, that disordered voice in my head, which I now call Ed, you know, would, would say, Oh, come on, you can have just one bite or it's your birthday, have some cake. But I knew the truth. Um, And the truth was, I wasn't capable of that. I had a track record of every single time I listened to Ed tell me that I could have one bite, one meal, one piece. It was a lie because I would give in and it was never one bite, one meal, one piece. I, it always just sent me off the rails. Um, So I basically just that, you know, every time that voice would pop up and, and tell me a lie, I had to come back at it with, that's not true. I've done that before. And this is what happened. I'm not going to do that. I don't do that anymore. Um, So I, you know, now have 1,961 days (laughs) of food sobriety. And what that means for me um, is that I don't eat anything that I deem as, um, I know there's a whole argument about keto versus Mm -hmm. non-keto foods, which, you know, but for me, I I define it as I don't eat non-keto foods. Well, full of sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't eat grains. I don't eat sugar. I don't eat foods that trigger me and I don't binge. Um, and for me, you know, binging, you know, people don't talk about these things because it's shameful. Like I, I, so many times, I mean, I just, I was so ashamed because who, Like I literally would, I could in one sitting, you know, I would sit down at night, you know, I could make it all day being good. Right. And I would sit down at night on my couch in front of my DVR to watch general hospital. Um, and, and I would, I could easily consume like four to 6,000 calories, like eating Mm -hmm. one thing after another. Um, and there are people out there who cannot relate to that. They think that just sounds insane. And that's 
because it is. It is. It's an ill, it's an ill, you know, it's a, it's a disorder, um, you know, and they cannot relate to that, but there are also people who can, who, you know, so I started sharing about it because I just felt like if I wanted to stay clean, that I had to talk about it, that I had to tell other people, you know, what my, you know, what my issues were, that it would be just part of my healing. And when I put my story out there, like at the one year mark, um, you know, I put it with a picture too, which pictures always get people's attention. Right. But, Mm -hmm. um, and that's like, I continue to share my story because I want people to know, uh, what they, you know, what's possible for them. But it always includes the picture because, you know, pictures make an impact and it gets their attention. And if I can draw them in with my transformation, then they'll hear, maybe they'll hear what I, what I have to say. Right. So, yeah, yeah, so the food sobriety for me is no binging and no, no trigger foods, no, no grains, no sugars. And um, at this point, I don't want to say that it's, it's easy because it's, it's not that I um, don't struggle with things. I just don't struggle with the same things. Like Ed Ed, Ed can't come at me with a cupcake, but he can come at me with, Oh, you know, but you don't look like that girl on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Right. I find that like, I, even though I have, um, you know, pretty much overcome like binge eating and I have, I still say that I fight it every single day because I, it is so hard having a three and a half year old and <laughs> him having all of, you know, cause he's low carb slash keto, but he's got mm-hmm. all these cheese crisps and all yeah. of these like keto snacks, you know, around. And I'm like, Hmm, I could just eat a handful. I could just pick up a handful. I could just, you know, and that's the, the eating disorder that stays in the back of my head that I have to fight. And so when people ask me, like, are you fully recovered? Like, can I ever fully recover? I tend to say, I think that you can, you can be recovered, but you can also still have to fight it. It's just like any addiction, like, right. A, a drug addict or an alcoholic, yep. um, you know, the, the, these people that are going around now talking about how you can still have carbs if you do it properly on a ketogenic uh, diet. That blows my mind yeah, because... Don't get me started. <laughs> oh, girl, I'm just like, okay, you can't say that for everyone because no. for me, not only is my carb tolerance just beyond I can't tolerate more than like 30 total carbs in a day but like for those who have eating disorders who are using keto to recover and then you're talking about targeting in carbs around certain areas or Mm -hmm. what uh are you trying to say that people who use meth can target in whenever they yeah just use it on just use it on Fridays yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that just yeah. oh blows my mind. So I'm with you. Oh, uh, so you know when when I think about binging and food addiction and all of that, it's not so much that I had to give up that food, um, because I don't look at it that way anymore. I look at it as I'm not eating that for the sake of my health and my right. mental stability, and you know, for me to 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 not fall back into old habits. So right. Yeah, we 
we don't ever, we don't ever arrive, you know, like it's true. Like we're constantly in recovery. Our journey evolves. You know, we, I learn something new every day and, and I, you know, and my journey has changed, you know, in the beginning I ate a lot of, you know, keto sweets and stuff. And I actually still, I I would, I would binge on keto foods in the, in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but my terms for sobriety back then were just don't cheat, you know, like, and then later it became, okay, well, this is ridiculous. I need to stop overeating. And so then my terms of sobriety became don't cheat and don't binge, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and that's what it looks like for me today. And then there's certain things that I've, you know, even though they are keto friendly, they're a trigger for me and I need to stay away from them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think people think that keto foods are like the, the, um, the green flag. And in reality, like mm-hmm. I have binged on keto treats. I have yeah. binged on a pan full of keto brownies. Like mm-hmm. I have done that. And so if we don't work on the mental health and the mental That's aspect right. of it, then you're never going to change. That's right. You know, it's just, it, we're, it's constantly evolving. There is no arrival. A lot of people I get frustrated too. Like, you know, I, I talk a lot about the, the food addiction these days and because so many people can relate to it, I find. And I had posted something the other day and somebody felt the need to like come in and say, you know, all you, all someone needs to do is go keto and it fixes it. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. so frustrated. Like, that is not true. Keto did not fix me. Keto made me healthy. Keto paved the way for me to get my mind right. But in and of itself, it did not fix my eating disorder. Um, the the dis, the disordered thinking was still there. The voice of ta- sabotage was still there. Did I right. have craving, physical cravings anymore? No. Did I feel satiated? Yes, I did. But you know what? For an addict... It doesn't matter. Like an addict is already high and looking for a, a better high. Exactly. You know? like, so yeah, it they're chasing it that. Just, yeah, it doesn't yeah. just fix us. We have to do the the mental work, and that's you know the hard, the hardest part. And and I know so many people think that losing weight is hard, and it can be. But honestly, losing the weight is not the hard part. No. Look at how many people lose weight without keto all the time. But what what do they not do? They don't keep it off. Mm-hmm. Um, because so, they don't heal their relationship with food. Exactly. Essentially. So, yeah. You know, they just do, and they see the diet as a temporary thing and everybody, you know, I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of people have that mentality of that when they get to goal weight, they're magically fixed suddenly right. because you weigh a normal number on the scale, you'll now be able to eat just one brownie. You'll mm-hmm. control yourself somehow. And it's just totally a lie. Yeah. You know, you'll pick up right where you left off if you yeah. go off what you're doing. Absolutely. And even even feeling like you hit your goal weight or under your goal weight, you feel you, people think that they'll be happy when, you yeah. know, and that goes back to that whole body image, body dysmorphia thing. And it's like when I hit 129 pounds, when I hit my goal to be under 130, I was still not happy. I still yeah. looked at myself as. Um, I, I even was thinking like, I look too skinny. I don't have enough muscle. Um, but I still have, you know, stretch marks and flabby skin from the weight loss and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I wasn't happy. So, um, 
I feel like that is always a constant work in progress too. And like you said earlier, realizing that you don't ever fully arrive and that you, you set new goals and you, um, you know, kind of just make it not so much about the weight loss and, and all of that. But, um, with your struggle with body dysmorphia, like when did you notice that you had that, that kind of disorder? Um, when I got to my lowest weight on keto and like you just said, still wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I still thought I, I still thought I had to lose more weight. And when I look at pictures of myself from three years ago, where I was my lowest keto weight, um, I definitely, I don't have as much muscle as I have now. So I'm more, you know, I'm grateful I have more muscle, but I look at that and I think, wow, I look tiny. Why wasn't I happy with that? And I had people in my life telling me, you know, saying things to me like, oh, every time I see you, you're thinner. Oh, you're so tiny. Or, oh, I would get these comments and I'd be like, no, 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 I could not believe them. And, and my husband too, my husband all the time tells me, he tells me I'm hot. And I, and my, my immediate reaction every time is to roll my eyes. Mm -hmm. And he, and he says to me, I wish you would believe me. (laughs) And so, yeah, I, I noticed it when I still wasn't happy and was still like thinking I had to be better. And I let that whole, you've heard that saying, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. I, 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 on the one hand, it was like, okay, yeah, great. Look, I've lost 106 pounds and I have cute shoes and cute clothes now. But, you know, there was always in the back of my mind, I wanted more. I wasn't good enough. I needed to be better. I needed to, you know, now I needed to get muscle. You know, now I need this tummy tuck and I still want a tummy tuck, by the way, right? Uh, because I feel like I worked hard and, you know, I, don't I understand. Like that. Yeah. I don't like that apron, you know, skin hanging there, but, yeah. but I don't, you know, I don't want it because I think it'll make me better, you know, in the eyes of others, it'll make me, I'll feel better, Yeah. you know, yeah. and that's what I need to focus on is, is, is how I feel. And so. Well, because I mean, Um, you, there is, you know, I talk about the loose skin and the stretch marks mm -hmm. and all of that. And to, to a degree, like there, there's a point when obviously everyone has to do what they want to do for themselves. As long as you're, as long as people are getting surgery to, to make themselves feel good and do it for them and not for other people right? or, you know, for the praise of other people, then that is, I think that's definitely what we should focus on. But like, for me, I was not overweight for an extended period of time. I was overweight for probably about two and a half, three years. And so my excess skin isn't as drastic as some other other people. And so I, you know, I, of course I don't like the excess skin and the, uh, the marks and stuff that are there. But right. for me, it's not as severe and I can live with it and know that that's just a part of the, the journey that I was on. But yeah. I mean... I completely respect people who have lost a ton of weight and, uh, you know, the skin isn't, um, is kind of holding them back from feeling as confident in themselves as they, they want to. So, you know, you worked your butt off to get to where you are. There's absolutely nothing wrong with, with wanting that to, to kind of get that last vote of confidence, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and I've seen yours and if mine looked like yours, I'd save myself 10 grand. Right. I know. I know. I know. And I mean, I talk about it. 
it's um it's funny because I I do share a share it and try to get people to just you know realize that it is a normal thing that it's okay but never to make people feel like they they shouldn't want reconstructive surgery or whatever because girl trust me if I could do I, I would go I, I'm still contemplating I I don't want implants but I would love to have a boob lift because <laughs> let me tell, I know you get it after having three kids like and then the weight loss oh yeah there's nothing, there, yeah there's nothing fun to look at but it's like you know I'm I, I want those things for myself because I feel like it would make me feel better you know mm-hmm. but it, there I, I really don't think there's anything wrong with wanting that at all yeah. Yeah. And I get, you know, I, I, people have, people have already like said to me, you know, sometimes when I, I post a pic, you know, when we take pictures, we like to pick the one to post mm-hmm. that makes us feel good. Right. And so, you know, I've learned how to dress for my shape. Um, and I, you know, I don't put pictures up that make me feel feel bad. And right. so people, people have said to me, you know, well, what happened to the loose skin? You know, how did you get rid of your tummy? And I'm like, Oh, let me just turn three inches to the left yes. and take a picture for you. Yeah, no, <laughs> you it, yeah. it is. It is. We've learned how to conceal it. Um, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that too, because mm-hmm. it's like, you want to feel confident and good in your clothes, but, yes. um, and it's not that you're trying to hide anything from anyone. It's just that, you know, you, you have right, to- definitely not. Cause I've shared the ugly too. Like, right. I've done the, you know, here's, here's my apron. Uh, it's not pretty, but it is what right. it is. This yeah. is the result of, lo- of being, you know, obese for 20 yeah. years and, and, and losing over a hundred pounds. This is, it is what it is. Yeah. That's the hard part about social media is that, you go on there and you see these success stories, but what they don't show you is that tummy tuck scar. They don't show you the, you know, like yeah. they, they give this misconception of what it looks like after weight loss. And you have the people who are saying they didn't have surgery when they did. And so that gives mm-hmm. people false hope or yeah. they, you know, you have the people who are constantly posing perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done several of those posts where I'm like, here is my two second transformation of yes. <laughs> uh, my tight tummy. And here he goes. My, uh, there's my loose skin right there at the bottom, you know? So yep. um, I think that, for us, for people like you and I, you know, it's, it's our job to keep it real on social media. And I feel like you have come out of, uh, of your shell with that and being more vulnerable and open since I met you, um, on the cruise. And I just, I wanted to say, I appreciate that. And I think the people on social media appreciate that as well. It is, not easy to share your struggles and the mental battles and our issues with our bodies, but you're so brave and I've loved watching you open up. Um, it's, it's really inspired me as well. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, you know, I've always tried to, you know, share, you know, the, the good and the bad, but there's definitely like a temptation out there to like, you know, you only Mm want to, you, you only want to show people like your good side, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and then also like, you know, when you, when you post like, this is the outfit that I'm wearing today, I don't feel as confident in it, but I'm still going to wear it anyways, because if you take that outfit off, 
then you let it win. You let yeah. that mindset win. So Absolutely. I love, I love when you post things like that and, um, and just really focusing on changing how you view yourself and, um, you know, like, and, you know, realizing that you can accept yourself, you know, even if you don't on the days that you don't feel as a hundred percent positive. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the new leg of my journey is to conquer, <laughs> you know, conquer body dysmorphia because, you know, it, it's not fun that, you know, to know everything that you've done and to have people tell you pretty much on a daily basis that, you know, you inspire them and then you stand there in the mirror and pick yourself apart, you know, we, and, and I think, what do they call it? Like we, because we're, we're, we put ourselves out there, but we still have struggles. We have that like imposter syndrome where, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we think like, what am I doing? How can I help other people? You know, because I still struggle with this, this and that, but, um, I think that's what makes us more relatable Um, I think if I stood up there and every day was like, look, you know, I'm perfect and you could be perfect too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, first of all, that's BS and everyone would know it, you know, so it's just not relatable to do that. Yeah. No, I, people, it's funny. People think that once you, like we said, once you hit that transformation and you, you've gotten it, that you're happy and that every, all the, the changes and the bettering of yourself stops, but you still deal with those mental struggles and that that's just as hard, if not harder than, you know, being strict and losing the weight and all of that. So yeah, absolutely. I totally get it. Well, um, so now what is your, what are your plans now? What are you, so you're maintaining your weight loss, obviously. Yes. What are your next goals? So I, because, uh, the last, I started dealing about a year and a half ago, I started noticing, um, symptoms of perimenopause and like the, the most noticeable one was weight gain in my belly and unfortunately my boobs, which you've seen me, uh, I've already, you know, I'm, I've always been well endowed on top Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) it's horrible people are people out there like there's women out there who like oh boohoo your boobs got bigger um it really is not fun when that is like your normal (laughs) when your normal state is to be big to begin with um and so I've you know put on like I I've juggled between like 15 and 20 pounds heavier than my lowest keto weight and that's been super frustrating and I know it's you know that women have to go through this. So my goal right now is to, you know, I don't need to get back down to my low uh, on keto. I, that's not really, I'm not really looking for a number anymore, but I would like to get leaner and have my muscle show a little more. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really, really what I'm working on and being happy, uh, with wherever I'm supposed to be. You know, um, I don't want to experience that where like two years from now I look at pictures and I'm like, oh, I should have been happy with that. I, I want to learn how to, you know, be happy in, in the moment. Yes. No, I totally agree. I think we have similar goals because it's like I, you know, want to keep my strength and I love working out in the gym and I want to keep progressing with my lifts and stuff, but I also want to be leaner and look a little and feel a little bit better about where I am because obviously I've gained a little bit of weight too with hormonal issues and things. So, um, I think that 
it's funny when when people think that like once you hit your initial goal that you shouldn't set goals after the fact but in reality that's how we continue to grow and right um and you know we we're constantly changing and evolving there's nothing wrong with wanting different things for your body as long as it's what you want and not pressured by other people that's exactly that's one of the things i feel like us as we're influencers but i feel like we're influencers in a good way whereas like you know, feeling the pressure to, if you're in this space, you have to look a certain way. That's something that we have to kind of fight as well. Yeah, that is, that is huge. I, I really am trying not to compare myself anymore. And I think it's just when we do comparisons, we naturally compare our weaknesses to other people's strengths. You know, like if I were to compare myself to you on the loose skin issue, I'm 20 years older than you. Right. I was obese and, for 20, 20 years. It's not realistic for me to, you know, look like you. And you've had three babies and I have one. I've had three, yes, I've had yeah. three babies. So, yeah, we definitely have to remember that we all are on our own um, journeys right. and, you know. Right, swim in our own lane. Yeah, yes, exactly. Just like you said. And we, we all have been through different things. I like, like I was just talking to someone about it the other day. You know, my body has been through things that your body hasn't and vice versa. And we just have to kind of remind ourselves of that constantly. So, well, um, this was a fantastic conversation. I love talking to you. I feel like we Me could too. talk for forever. Thank um, you. But for those who want to find out more about you or Cute Evangelist Coaching or whatever, where can they find you? So on Instagram and Facebook, I'm KetoMary71, which I know is like, Brian always tells me that's like the worst screen, <laughs> like username ever. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I let Facebook pick it for me and it kind of stuck. So uh, KetoMary71 on Facebook and Instagram. And then I can be found at KetoEvangelistCoaching.com. Cool. All right. Well, I hope you have a, a wonderful rest of your day and thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This podcast is also sponsored by Real Good Foods. You guys know I love Real Good Foods. They make quality, keto-friendly, low-carb products that are high in protein, um, convenient for the whole family. They make pizzas, poppers, um, they just recently released their newest stuffed chicken breast. They also make breakfast sandwiches. So, uh, if you cannot find them locally, click the link in the show notes so you can find a store locator to tell you where you can find them near you. Um, you can also order online. They'll ship them right to your door. And if you order online, you can use code KCL15 to save 15% off.